Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we've been doing a series here at our church for the last few weeks. This is actually our ninth lesson now in the book of Philippians. Now, Philippians, the theme of Philippians is finding your joy in Jesus, but I've kind of translated that into really an overarching theme for all of our messages here, and that's basically living beneath the surface. Now, what are you talking about, George, living beneath the surface? Well, what I find is, is for a lot of us, including myself sometimes, our Christianity is only on the surface. It's the one hour on Sunday morning, or two hours if we go to church, few moments each day if we pray, but then that's it. Christianity has no other impact in our lives. We don't expect any other impact. And in fact, we just view church as just this one small component of our lives, that's it. And for a lot of people who call themselves Christians, Christianity is, shall I say it, boring. It is meaningless. It's maybe a tradition. It's to appease somebody in our lives, make somebody happy. But as far as what we can get out of it, we have no expectations. And so for a lot of Christians or people who call themselves Christians, they don't really have any expectations of anything. They don't expect God to answer prayer. They don't expect God to be there for them. They don't expect anything. And the reality is that there is something so much more. God calls us to something so much more. He calls us to live beneath the surface. Now, when I say that, there might be an interest Your heart might be stirred to want something more out of your relationship with Jesus, but what does that look like? How does that even flesh itself out? How is that even possible? Because you haven't seen that. You sure don't see that in other people's lives. And that's why we're doing this series. We want to do this series to to understand what it is to have, well, as Paul would talk about in this letter, joy. Joy that comes from the relationship with Jesus. In fact, ask yourself that question right now. When you think about your faith in Christ, your relationship with Jesus, would you say that the one word that describes that relationship is joy? You have joy in God because you see God working in your life on a daily basis. Even through the difficulties and the struggles. Even when he takes you to the woodshed. You have joy because you know that he loves you and cares for you. And that's what we're looking at here. So today we're going to talk about two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. So let's first, before we look at those two men, let's kind of wrestle with a couple of questions. Let's talk about, is it possible? First thing I want you to notice is, is that most of us want something more from our relationship with Jesus. Here's the reality. If I were to talk to you, if we were to have a quiet conversation over a Coke or a tea or a coffee or something, and if I was going to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus, you would probably share with me, George, I want something more than what I have right now. 
I think that's a universal thought among those who call themselves believers. They would like something more. They're not necessarily, and I don't think you should be necessarily satisfied with where your Christian life is. Why do I say that? Because I don't think God ever allows us to be satisfied here. We'll be satisfied one day when we go to be with Jesus, but right now, you should be stirred up to have more of him, to experience more of that relationship with him. And so if if you're like me, I think most of us here want something more from our relationship with Jesus. Bottom line, most of us want something more. But here's the second thought. Knowing what that looks like is lost to us. Knowing what that looks like is lost to us. You know, it used to be easy when you came to church to kind of figure out what spirituality was. You kind of looked to a few people in the church who prayed good or who answered Bible questions, and it seemed like they had their act together, and you would say to yourself, well, that's what it is to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. But as you went on with time, and especially as you got older, you realized that even though they maybe answered the right questions or even prayed the right way, it didn't mean that they had a deeper walk with Jesus. Sometimes they didn't have a walk with Jesus at all. And so you're looking there and you're saying, I want something more, but I don't know where to find that. I don't know where to see that in someone's life. Because when I look around, and if you were to look around this room right now, we would all look at each other and say, I'd see nothing but faults. Nobody's perfect here, right? So it's not like we've got somebody that we can look up to. But it's amazing to me that God gives us examples. And it's not examples of having superior Bible knowledge or even examples of how to pray. It's examples of how we treat each other and examples of what we pursue in our lives. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to read this together. It's about 11 verses here, verses 19 through 30. Let me just read to you what Paul writes here to the Philippians, chapter 2. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged what I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own and not the things which are of Christ. But you know his proven character, that as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because he had heard that he was sick. Indeed, he is sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, Not only on him, but on me also, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Because the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his own life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. So here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these 11 verses, and we're going to basically divide them into two sections. We're going to look at Timothy, and we're going to look at Paphroditus. And we're going to talk about 
what does it mean to live beneath the surface? We're going to flesh it out with these two guys about what it means to have more in your relationship with God. So let's look at Timothy. First of all, look at verse 20. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Here's what I want you to see. He sincerely cared for others. Now, I'm going to explain something to you. What you're going to see, we're going to start off right here, is really how you and I can get beneath the surface. Do you want to know how to get beneath the surface? Do you want to know how you can get more out of your relationship with God? It starts right here, thinking about other people. It's not about you. Does anybody Has anybody told you that yet? I, sometimes you need to be told that. Life is not about you. Does everybody understand that? Sometimes we think it is, and when we focus on what we want, we have problems. Have you noticed that? We create difficulties for ourselves when we think that all of life is about us. Did you understand what I'm saying? If you think this church is about you and you're here just to get something from church for you, you're going to walk out of here disappointed because church isn't about you, it's about other people. And the first thing we see from Timothy's life, when Paul talks about him, Paul says, look, this guy is like-minded. He's like me. What does that mean? Well, obviously, he must be like the apostle in some way, so he's got some kind of a deep relationship with Jesus. What do we see here? He sincerely cared for other people. Here, Paul's talking about that he sincerely cared for the Philippians. You want to move deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ? You want to move beneath the surface of Christianity? You're tired of the same old boring, humdrum Christian thing? Then here's what you need to do. Start caring about people around you. Seriously. Start being sincerely concerned for how they're doing. And here's the thing. You know, I'm a pastor. I've been pastoring over 20 years. I know how it is. Come here on Sunday. We're grumping all the way here, pull into the parking lot, walk through the door, we change. Hi! And then we say to people, how are you doing? Now, we say that because that's the culturally acceptable greeting. We don't really want to know. And if somebody says to you, terrible, I'm having a rotten week, and begins to spill the beans on how their week is, in our mind we're thinking, how can I get away from them? Because I'm here for me. See, the first thing you need to see, if we're going to live for it, if we're going to have more out of life. If you're going to have more, if you're going to get beneath the surface, you need to recognize that you got to sincerely care for other people. Sincerely care for other people. Look, I'm just going to be honest with you. We have here probably about 80 people here today. I could almost guarantee you somebody had a rotten week. Somebody, it didn't go right. Some, somebody, the week didn't even stop. It's pouring over into the next week. And it's been going on, and, and they wonder, does anyone even care? The church should be the kind of place where you go to where people, what? Sincerely care for each other. First thing you're going to see from Timothy's life. Here's the second thing, because there's four things that come out of Timothy's life. He did not focus on what he wanted. Look at verse 21. Paul talks about people in general, for all seek their own. He, he makes that statement with reference to Timothy to kind of point out that Timothy doesn't just live for himself. He didn't focus on what he wanted. 
He focused on the needs of others. See, if you're going to sincerely care for other people, this goes naturally hand in hand. Because if you're going to care for other people, your focus isn't going to be just on yourself and what you want. Your focus is going to be on helping other people. Am I not right? But see, when your focus is on what you want, have you noticed that, how it consumes us? When your focus is on what you want, on on that promotion at work, or on that certain vehicle that you want to buy, or that certain whatever, and we can go through a whole list of whatever it is that we focus on. Some of you are so focused on, because it's deer season now, you're so focused on that nice rack, that even if you got an eight point and it wasn't the right kind of rack, you're not happy. Do you see what I'm saying? Timothy wasn't like that. He didn't just focus on himself. Listen, it's a dead-end road just to focus on yourself. It's a dead-end road. It destroys relationships. It will ultimately destroy you. The reality is, listen to me, you got to focus on somebody, something else. He didn't just focus on what he wanted. Second thing I want you to see about Timothy. You want to flesh it out? Quit focusing on yourself. Here's the th- third thing. Rather... He diligently sought after the things of Christ. Look at what he says there, verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. So again, he's using that negative illustration there to point out what Timothy was doing. Timothy sought after the things of Christ. Now, let me just stop for a moment. When I say that, if if you've been around church, you kind of have in your mind what that means. So let me tell you what it is not and what it means to seek after the things of Christ. First of all, what it is not. It is not, when I'm talking about you seeking after the things of Christ, I am not talking about you becoming a perfect church attendee. That's not what I'm talking about. I am not talking about you giving perfectly. That's not possible, because things happen in your lives. And if you have that in your mind, you can already say, well, there's no way I'm going to seek after the things of Christ because it's not possible. It's not possible to do those things, period. Don't let anybody deceive you. It's not having a superior Bible knowledge, being able to answer all the Bible questions. I can't even do that. It's not carrying around a big Bible at work, talking the Holy Joe lingo. It's not any of that. That, to me, to be honest with you, is surface Christianity. That's what we don't want. We want to get beneath the surface. We want something more. Can I tell you what the things of Christ are that come out of the New Testament, what you should be pursuing, what you should be wanting out of your life? Here it is. Here's what I'm going to tell you what it is. When you realize it, you might actually sit there and say, wait a minute, hold on now. I've been looking for the wrong thing. Here's what it is. It's a deep relationship with Jesus, where on a daily basis, you interact with him, he interacts with you. That's what the things of Christ are. It's a relationship with God. That's what you should be striving for. Now, here's the wonderful thing about that relationship with God. Have you ever, you know, here's the thing, you know, I'll use an illustration here. I'll use Lori and I. I met her in 1991 and started dating her in the fall of 1991, it was hard to get a date with her. She finally agreed to have a date with me. That's a whole nother story. What? No, that's right. She didn't. She actually wanted to back out of our date. She just said she was reminding me about that. So, okay. 
And, and the one thing that amazed me is that, okay, so I had a job at the university, and George is kind of, uh, if you've ever met me, I'm not very friendly. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not, I don't warm up to you very much. And so when people found out that Lori Weaver was dating George Cannon, they were like, you're dating him? He's a bear. You know, do you know what I'm saying? And for some reason, she overlooked my personality. She had to, didn't she? Because some of y'all know me now, and it's like, holy cow, Lori, you deserve a crown. And she does. Now, why do I bring that up? Because here's what I want you to understand. When you talk about thinking and seeking the things of Christ, I want you to understand the depth of the relationship that's out there that a lot of you aren't pursuing. Just like she overlooked me to date me, God overlooks you to have a relationship with you. What do you mean overlooks you? Okay, I already know you're not perfect. How do I know you're not perfect? Because I'm not perfect. I already know you sin. How do I know that? Because I sin. All humanity sins. I already know that you've messed up royally in your life. How did you know that? Nobody told me. I just know by assumption. Because everybody messes up royally in this life, right? Are we all in agreement here? Is there anything, if they really knew who you were like, a lot of us, if we people really knew who we were like, we'd wonder if we even have any friends anymore, right? But the reality is, God does know. He knows everything about you. He knows your warts. He knows all of your faults. He knows the secrets. But he still loves you. He still wants a relationship with you. He's still seeking after you. See, here's the thing. When you talk about seeking after the things of Christ, you're not talking about being perfect church person. You're talking about pursuing the one who loves you, who died for you. And whether you're aware of him or not is always with you. That's what Timothy was about. While others are seeking their own and wanting their own stuff and they're not even interested in the things of Christ, Timothy was seeking for others and he was what? Pursuing Christ in his life. That's what, if you want to get beneath the surface, you start right there. You start with thinking about other people, but you also start with going deeper in your own walk with God, expecting something more. Do you understand what I'm saying? What do you mean expecting something more? You know what? I've been married to this lady for 24 years, okay? Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cloudy this morning. I didn't, maybe didn't have enough tea or something. So 24 years, there are certain things that we expect of each other that come out of the relationship. Did you understand what I'm saying? There are certain things that we have an expectation of each other. Now, do we meet those expectations? No, we're human beings. But you can have certain expectations from God because he's God. He doesn't disappoint. He loves perfectly. He didn't focus on what he wanted. He diligently thought after the things of God. But here's what I want you to see. Why do you need to pursue him? Hebrews 11.6 says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of him who diligently seeks him. Did you catch that last part? 
You want to move deeper in your relationship with Jesus? Then pursue it. And I'm going to tell you right now, you will not be disappointed because he promises if you diligently seek him. Now, what does diligently seek him mean? Does that mean half-heartedly look for him? No. That means you give your all to find him. He will reward you. And you'll get beneath the surface in your Christian life. Here's the fourth thing from Timothy's life. He had a proven character in his service towards others. He had a proven character in his service towards others. Look at verse 22. But you know his proven character, that as a son with me, he served with me in the gospel. Proven character. Now, what is character? Character is the essence of who you are. Character is the essence of who you are. When people talk about you, reputation is also reflective of your character. So if somebody says, hey, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, I know so-and-so. Well, be careful of him. He's a schmuck. What does that tell you about his character? Not much of a character, right? But when you talk to somebody and says, hey, you know so-and-so? Yeah, he's a good man. He keeps his word. What does that say about his character? Solid man. Or that man was there when I... I needed somebody. He was there for me. He didn't ask for anything in return. That's a proven character. You know what? Character is something that we don't even talk about anymore in our culture. In fact, listen to this. We can elect people for office and we don't care about their character, right? Done that for years now. Years we've talked about character doesn't matter anymore. But character is actually very important because character is an expression of who that person is, right? Character is an expression of who that person is. And for Timothy, he had a character that proved his service towards others. What does your character reveal? So you want to get beneath the surface? Start focusing on your character. Start focusing on the man or woman that God wants you to be. That's Timothy. There's one other example here, and that's Epaphroditus. Let's look at that together. Just a big section of verses there is concerning a guy by the name of Epaphroditus. That's a, a Greek name. Look with me. First thing we're going to see about Epaphroditus. He's a little bit different than Timothy. But again, he's going to show us what it is to live beneath the surface. He's going to show us what it is to go deeper in your relationship with God. He's going to show you what it is to have something more out of the relationship with Christ. And actually, it kind of corresponds with Timothy a little bit. Here's what it says. Look with me at verse 25 and 28. It says, Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. First thing I want you to see is this. He was deeply concerned for others. Now you say, George, wait a minute, isn't that just like Timothy where he sincerely cared for others? Isn't that the same thing? Yes, it is, but maybe a little bit deeper than that. Because I can sincerely care for you like I sincerely care for a lot of you here. Some of you have known a long time, and I care for you. Now you might be going through the midst of it, and I still care for you, but the level of my concern is going to be expressed by the level of my actions towards you, right? If I'm deeply concerned, it's going to go 
more than just caring for you, it's going to be translated into actions. That's what we see here in Epaphroditus' life. Epaphroditus cared for the Philippians because he was one of them. He was sent by the Philippians to care for Paul. But while he was there, the people back in Philippi were concerned about his well-being because they heard he was sick. But Epaphroditus, he's more concerned about them than his own well-being. He was disturbed that they even heard that he got sick because he thought it might cause them some grief. Now, that's really unusual, isn't it? That's talking about somebody who is deeply concerned for people. So you got to have both. you got to have, like Timothy, a sincere care for others, but you also have to have a deep concern that translates into actions. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what Christianity is about. Christianity is not just caring for people. It's doing something for people because you truly care for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's doing something for them because you care for them. That's what we see from Epaphroditus' life. In fact, you are so concerned about them, your own needs don't matter. You're concerned about them. That, my friends, can I give you the word for it? Is love. That's called loving people. And can I remind you that's one of the two greatest commandments? Remember when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments are? He replied to the lawyer and said, to love the Lord God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first one. And what else? To love your neighbor as yourself. And he said this, on this, the whole law hinges. Stop for a moment. All spirituality, all Christianity hangs on that two commandments. Loving God with all of your heart and what? Loving each other. And it's not just uttering words because we're good at uttering words. Oh, I love you, whatever that means. He was deeply concerned for others. Here's the second thing I want you to see about Epaphroditus. The needs of others were more important than what he wanted. The needs of others were more important than what he wanted. I'm going to be honest with you. I've got to work on that one in my life. Because I'm a human being. You're a human being. And our natural tendency is to what? Take care of ourselves. And if you're like me, you've got goals about what you want. You've got goals about what you want to achieve. You've got goals about what you want to have. You want to have a certain home. You want to have a certain vehicle. You want to have a certain vacation. And, and a lot of times, you and I are confronted. God actually is the one who confronts us. He confronts us with these situations where people's lives intertwine with our lives, and they have needs, and you are confronted. Trust me, it's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you, where you've got to make a decision. They've got a need, and you've got the means, but you've got your goal. You've got your dream. You've got your whatever. And you're wrestling with, listen to me, you're wrestling with, well, you know, I could help them. I could do something, but that'll set me back. That'll set me back on my dream. I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to do that. Are we sure we want to do that? And so we begin to think of excuses in our minds not to do it. And, and so we start thinking, well, you know, if I help him, they'll just start sapping off of me. Better not do that. That's how people are. And we'll think of things like that, and we won't do it. And then we wonder why 
We live on the surface in our relationship with God. So you got to learn you can't outgive God. When God tells you to do something for somebody, he's going to take care of you too. And maybe you're delayed in your little project for a little bit or your dream or whatever, but you put the needs of others before your own, and that's more important, isn't it? See, that's living beneath the surface. That was Epaphroditus. The needs of others were more important than his own. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.